Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What's happening? I am Mark Marin. This is my podcast. I'm still doing it. I'm still doing my, my podcast. Ten years in, we're still going at it, still going strong, doing the shows, talking to the people. Feels You know, it still feels good to talk to people for me. I don't know what you do with your life, but if I didn't talk to a few people a week like I talk to the people here on the podcast, I, I think I would get a little squirrely. Can't spend that much time in my head. It's nice to get into somebody else's occasionally for a job three or four times a week, hopefully, talk to people. Yeah, it really keeps me sane, keeps me sane. Today is sort of an interesting conversation because I talked to... um Joan Shelley, she is a singer-songwriter in the folk tradition, and I just, you know, I just, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I took to her. I get sent records, folks. I get sent records, and I try to listen to all of them. You know, I get, re- I get sent records from individuals. I get sent records from labels. I get sent records. I just get sent records. And sometimes I keep them, but sometimes there's just too many to keep. I They're just, and I'm not, what am, what am, what am I going to do with them? I use them as barter. I, I go out and I trade them uh, for records that I want. Is there is there anything wrong with that? I don't think so. I think that's fine. And, and sometimes uh, people at labels are persistent, but it, it didn't, this is a weird thing about Joan Shelley and, and my relationship with the music. I know nothing. I knew nothing about her, and I knew nothing about the world she occupied. Now I know there's some crossover with, uh, with you know, like Bonnie Prince Billy, there's, and from there there's a little crossover with my buddy Matt Sweeney, who knows uh, Joan Shelley's plays with her. Uh, I don't know if they're married or it's her boyfriend, but um, Nathan Salzberg. I think I asked her. I don't remember. But uh, my buddy Sweeney knows Nathan as this sort of mu- musicologist, this guy who he works over at the um, at the Lomax archive, I think. And he compiles all these historical songs from from uh, hun- you know hundreds of years ago. How many hundreds of recorded music? But, you know, within the last century or two. And uh, he's known for this, and he's also he's a historian, but he's also a player, a very revered, respected uh, guitar player. 
and uh, he he plays with Joan, who's a great player and a great songwriter. But there's this whole world of folk music out there. I guess it's always been there. You wonder about these worlds. Uh, you wonder about the world of jazz sometimes. I did, and it's still very active, and there's still people that love it. Not unlike this folk music world, it's still out there. I mean, it crosses over with country, Americana, and some uh, a bit of uh, the hipster singer-songwriter thing, but there is a folk tradition, which I learned about more about on, um, on Ken Burns' country documentary, which I finished, took a, a took, it was like, it's like eight episodes and they're like an hour and a half, two hours long. And it was fucking great. It's all the way through, even with the new guys. It was emotional when you start to realize the community and family spirit of all these artists down there in Nashville. That was sort of the underpinning of the whole thing was that there's a tradition to country music that is sourced in many different traditions, but there is a community of country musicians and country music in Nashville that has gone on generations. And the arc of it is just beautiful. But a lot of that stuff, some of it, was uh, directly related to folk music. A great example, and who kind of threads through two or three episodes, was Emmy Lou Harris, who I didn't know a lot about, who I liked enough, but uh, I didn't, I didn't have her in the proper perspective. You know, she started as a folk artist and then got brought into country by Graham Parsons of all people, who was not inherently a country guy, but he was another huge acolyte of the of the music and and you know really kind of went to the source with it and brought her down to the source of it and she came out sort of a a a historian and again almost a musical archivist through her own voice and and renditions of uh old country songs to to be this uh, amazing influence in modern country music so the folk tradition is kind of under that umbrella as well but it still exists i guess is my point I was taken by this music, uh, by uh, by Joan Shelley's music. There was something about the way she sang, about her voice. It moved me, right? And I had the, the uh, no quarter record sent me the first record. The, name, the guys over the guy over there, I believe, is uh, Mike Quinn, right? So he sends me that record, and then at some point I mentioned it on Instagram, like I really like this record. And then like all of a sudden, the other records start to come. Uh, and, you know, so there's like been two or three, I think th- three records that I've gotten on No Quarter of uh, Joan Shelley's, and I like all of them. But then right after the first one, I, he's been kind of trying to get me to have her on for a long time. And I just didn't know like what the conversation would be like. What did I know about folk music? You know, how, you know, how would it go? You, you know, I wasn't sure that we could converse for an hour. She seemed like a, a thoughtful, a quiet, artistic, creative person, like a, almost like a mountain person I pictured for some reason, you know. Uh, and there's something about certain types of musicians where I'm like, I'm not sure we're going to hit it off. But uh, Mike was persistent over time and i was like all right all right all right and because i got the last record uh, which is great i i really enjoyed her 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 new record here which she i think she recorded in iceland i believe i talked to her about it uh it's called uh like the river loves the sea you can get that wherever you get the the music that you enjoy and uh you know i had her on and she sang a song at the end which is always lovely and i i have not recorded a lot of music up in this in this particular temporary studio, uh, but between us, I'm almost, I can almost move back into a garage, folks. I can almost move back into the garage. It's almost happening. So anyways, that is the story of uh, the Joan Shelley thing. And now it fits into the whole arc of what I've been taking in uh, with the country, the doc country, with uh, Ken Burns' country doc. Oh, so, 
Such moving stuff, man. And, and so much of it had to do with community. It was funny because Nathan and uh, Joan, Nathan Salzberg and Joan Shelley and Mike Quinn, I believe it was Mike Quinn, yes. I invited them to the comedy store because I was performing the night that she recorded here with me. And I was a little nervous because I, I felt like I was bringing these precious folk people you know, into the den of, 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 <laughs> of just pure you know, filth and iniquity. Like, you know, I'm like, you don't need to. It's, it, I'd like it. If you want to come, you can come. But like, you know, you guys are sweet folk people. And then I started really kind of spin out on, you know, how do I take in things? How do I take in music? What are, are my tastes evolving as I get older? Do I still require the same things to enjoy something? Did I ever enjoy things or did they just get me high? Did they get me you know, riled up or did they get me drifty? You know, like there's, there's music that kind of gets you, you know, out to sea a bit, you know, in sort of a melancholic way. A lot of questions, a lot of questions that were raised primarily by watching Ken Burns' uh, country documentary. So I'm recording this yesterday. Happy Halloween. Uh, it's pretty scary out here, to be honest with you. Well, you know, there's fires just spontaneously happening everywhere. It's fucking relentlessly aggravating and anxiety-causing that the uh, you know once a year for a few weeks the entire state of California is on fucking fire and i just got all this work done on my house is that the wrong way to think about it i hope everybody who's had fire damage or is in the path of fire i hope you're safe and your family is safe i also i don't want my house to burn down nobody does but i didn't even get to use the new place i created for the podcast it doesn't matter this yeah i hope everybody's okay i don't want to be selfish but it's scary. It's plenty scary on the eve of Halloween that a lot of the state is on fire. And also, the, given that I'm recording this yesterday, last night I, uh, I, did my, I recorded my special. And I don't know what to tell you. I can't tell you how it went because I haven't done it yet. I'm sitting in, in I've got to go down there. Today's Wednesday. I'm sorry about the time fuck and the brain fuck. But I got to go down there in like three hours for the sound check. Uh, my outfit, I'm, I'm shooting at the uh, Red Cat Theater. We got the set all built. It's, it's going to definitely look different than other comedy specials. I'll tell you that. It's just going to have a different vibe. Nice, intimate vibe. And I'm pretty excited about it. I know this shit. I've got the order written down. But I'm a little tweaked out. My body, is, my body always does a thing before I have to do these things, which is a tr- it, y- y- even if I feel good mentally, uh, some part of the, a deeper part of my brain says, well, that's okay. I'm glad you're feeling good about yourself, but we're going to fuck you from in here. And maybe, maybe you'll get a cold sore. How about uh, a slight fever? Hey, maybe you'd enjoy, uh, uh, a, a cold coming on right as you record. Like I feel these things, they don't generally happen, but man, my brain just fucks with me. Like right now I'm pretty, I'm pretty casual. I'm pretty comfortable. I'm recording this and I got to go do this. Sh- I got to go shoot my special tonight. Used to be like, I'd be fucked for days just thinking about it. But look, man, I, I have run this material. So I'll let you know how that went for reals on Monday, but just know it happened. Okay, unless the entire city of L.A. burned down. It's so weird that the theme of my special is is kind of apocalyptic. And we are, you know, we're in it out here right now. The end is not near, folks. The end is not near. It's here. It's here. 
to stay from here on out. Enjoy. Do what you can. But uh, let's not delude ourselves completely. All right? It's, you know, we, it's bad enough that you know, I've, I've raised the ire of <laughs> the, the QAnon folks who actually believe that they're you know, being guided by some religious spirit that this massive conspiracy theory that explains everything that anyone can perceive and it connects all the dots doesn't equate to anything other than the face of Satan is ridiculi. Yes, yes, and I am being paid again by George Soros to say all of this. Got my Soros check. Did any of you other broadcasters and TV people? have you? Because I know there was a little holdup with the Soros check uh, because I think that... Uh, yeah, Obama wasn't able to co-sign on them last week. He was busy. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you know, do you religious folk know who Satan really is? Do you know who he really is? So reassessment of perception. Yeah, I, like, I don't know what OK Boomer is. I didn't know any of that. And a lot of times when things are popular, I don't understand why they're popular because I don't know what they are. And I guess that's old manism. Maybe maybe that's what you would say. Okay, boomer too, but I don't. Uh, I just I can't understand how things are popular, and when I don't even know what they are, and some of them I do, but I'm still like that's really that popular, and 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 I don't know why I judge things like that. It's because it's a self centered thing. It's a selfish. I don't know if it's self centered. I just I don't take in a lot because there's so much going on, and I'm so fucking busy. So I just assume every once in a while I'll sync up with the rest of the culture and what I'm taking in. I know a lot of people around the world are taking in that fucking Joker movie. I didn't, pretty exciting, I guess, right? To be part of in the largest grossing movie, R-rated movie in the history of movies. I, whatever that means. I'm in it. Got a powerful 45 seconds in there or so. Huh? Yeah. But yeah, I've got to stop. You know, I've got to realize that I know very little about what's going on in the cultural world except for my little part of it and however I engage with it. And I shouldn't be surprised by the popularity of things that I don't understand or know about because that's just old manism. I just have to accept that it's, it's just passing me by. And a lot of times it's okay. Didn't need, was not the train I needed. You got, that's, I guess that's part of wisdom is to realize like, is that, is that the, is that my train? It's not right. Okay, great. So Joan Shelley is here. And uh, and she's lovely, and she's uh, great, and I enjoy her music a great deal. And I didn't know if we would be able to have a conversation, just because she seemed like a um, you know like a, a special and precious folk person. <laughs> but we we did it, and uh, her new record, which I think is uh, beautiful, is called. Like the River Loves the Sea, and it's available now wherever you get music. And she will play a song from that at the end of our conversation. So listen up. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needs 
needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. I swear to God, this has been going on, Joan, for years. Mike's been emailing me. Oh, good. He's good about that. Is he? Is that good? Is it good? You tell me. We're here now, so. (laughs) I looked it up. It was like March 3rd or March something. January, February, March uh, 2017. Wow. When he first sent the Batch of Records. Oh, good. Yeah, and the Batch of Records, I had them. And uh, and I, I I'd listen to him, and then I listen to him more, and then I put him aside for a while, and then I get another email a year later. What's up with that? A year later, wow. Or no, I mean they came, yeah, you know, they kept coming. But he, the music, I I was very, uh, I get every time I listen to it, I get very taken, very enchanted with the whole thing. But yeah, but, but you know, it, I feel like it's not essentially my style, but that's not really true. I think I'm afraid hmm. of the uh, vulnerability of folk music. Sure. Me too. Are you? Yeah. It's not, I didn't choose folk music. I didn't listen to a lot of that stuff. It, would you call it folk music? It is though, right? Well, like the 60s folk revival stuff. I didn't listen to that growing up. But right. But what you do, you'd call folk music. Because you got to call it something. Yeah. Sure. And, and what happened to you? What happened how did to it me? Ha- how did it happen? Well, I kind of discovered like British folk rock and I was like, like well, which, this is badass. Like Richard Thompson? Like- yeah. Sandy Denny, Richard Thompson. Uh-huh. And then- then I got into the less rock folk of England, like June Tabor. Do you know any of her stuff? Uh-uh. Oh, gosh. This is these incredible vocalists. Just... What about the sad lady? Uh, sad Judy lady. Sill? Is that her name? Oh, yeah. Judy yeah. Sill was California, right? California. But she yeah. made she kind of made it sad hip lady. in England. She made it big in England, kind of, I think. All right. So, okay. So, you listen to that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then- I kind of got okay with the vulnerability through English folk rock and folk. Yeah. And then I came back and had more of an appreciation. Plus, I found the early string band music, which is just out of this world cool. You know, like who are we talking? Um, well, I found cousin Emmy, Addie Graham. I'm talking the females from Kentucky. Uh, Roscoe Holcomb, banjo player, stuff yeah. that sounded just like abrasive. It sounded like punk rock. To right, me, right, right. You know? Yeah. And um, so it kind of gave me a way back in to appreciate the standard folk stuff. Like the structure or the feeling or the vibe or... Kind of a wildness that wasn't in mainstream music. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, um, but do you... I guess people don't really associate that with those cats, but like if you listen to string band stuff and that like Hootenanny stuff and all Mm. those old jug bands and weirdos from back then, they were really going at it because they had to get a lot of people moving. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the dance bands are just incredible. Acoustic dance bands. It's crazy. Yeah. That some of those blues guys would just sit there with an acoustic guitar in the mm-hmm. middle of a floor. Yeah. So you're from Kentucky? Yeah. See, the thing is- From like, Louisville, yeah. But not, you're not, it's not rural. 
Right. So I have to make that clear. I'm not from the mountains, not from Appalachia. But do you aspire to that? (laughs) To be from the mountains? (laughs) I mean, I know a lot of people from the mountains and respect them so much and they're proud. So you can't co-opt mountain culture. It's not cool, you know. We're a river but, town, really. But uh, but people do co-op mountain culture. Totally, it seems big, like it's big these days. I know. It seems like that you know the sort of music that this is a weird thing because you know I'm a guy. I'm wearing boots that I don't need. You know what I mean? But <laughs> but sure. I like them. You know. But I, I'm not. Yeah. You know. I'm not. My beard is reasonable. Yeah. You know. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm Something not. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not like doing like I don't know. Okay. So Kentucky. So yeah. What's the what's the the situation? You have a lot of siblings. Yeah, I have a kind of I have a half brother, step brother, stepsister, and brother. Yeah, so kind of half complicated. Brother. I got a lot of education on the family level. Like, how, like explain it. Um, I mean that's every kind of relationship, right? Like if you have, say, one mother in common, you have a certain kind of dynamic, and oh, you mean like with your siblings? Yeah, yeah, siblings. learning about love essentially in relationships yeah. really early on. Well, how, well how, what was your parents' situation? My parents got divorced when I was three. My mom got remarried when I was four, and I got to, I was sisters with my best friend in kindergarten or whatever, suddenly, so it was pretty cool. Oh, so your mom's husband had a kid? Two kids, yeah. That were around your age? My stepfather had two kids, yeah. Yeah. And so it was like we were th- three, four, five, six. Yeah. Really tight, and then an older brother by 12 years, so. Wow. It was crazy. It was supposed to be the Brady Bunch, and it was not that at all. No. <laughs> and what's your old man? What happened to that guy? Which this? The father. The my one, father. The real father. Real father. He stayed around, and he's a he's a painter still, but pretty wild in terms of like when you needed him to be around, he'd be like, "Actually, I've got to go to New York now." Yeah. You yeah. know, like Gallery, very an opening, got a thing. No, poetry reading. He just wanted to be around really good art, and he never, he never made it to have a gallery or anything. But he's still doing it, and just. So he was a painter, artist painter. Yeah. Not a wall painter. Not a wall painter. And he's still at it. Yeah. So he grew up with this bohemian dad, mm-hmm. who was a relatively absent-ish. Yeah, he was kind of mer, mer- what is the word? Mercurial. Mercurial. Yeah. Yeah. A wild man. Yeah, his very, you know, and he was emotionally, uh, as a kid, it was just like, can we stay at mom's house? Oh, oh, didn't <laughs> Not know sure gonna... what he's going to be like today. Oh, one yeah. of those. Yeah. yeah. I grew up with one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are we going to get? Hmm. Is it going to make me cry or make me laugh? Yeah. Yeah, because the <laughs> laughing part was more, you know, what? we'd have more fun. He would he would give us recorders. He didn't want TV in the house. Oh, no TV he guy. He threw the TVs out one time. Was um, he an old hippie or an old beatnik? He was right between. Uh-huh. He was, uh, let's see, he was in New York in like the 60s. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so he was he in was between. A, and he was a painter? Yeah. And a writer too or no? No, just a painter. Very... Yeah visually and not uh not good with like words and stuff he would say abstract mm-hmm. oh, he was yeah? a big fan of like rothko and oh, clifford still and that kind of floating stuff. colors yeah yeah so okay so you grew up with that and that kind of infused you with your creative spirit do you think he was really encouraging he gave you a that. recorder so he gave us a little tape recorder and there's just hours of us Entertaining my brother and I entertain ourselves with like make up songs and you know skits and things, <laughs> and record all kinds of weird sounds and stuff. So yeah. 
that gave me like that validation. Well, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have one parent that's uh, encouraging if you're going to do the creative thing. Yeah. My my mother used to make me practice guitar. I think most of what my mother wow. made me do was to avoid being a mother. Like she'd be like, go in the room and do that thing so I don't have to deal with you. And <laughs> fortunately, would do yeah, yeah, fortunately, some of it was fun. You know, like mm-hmm. go to camp, please, so I don't have to be... <laughs> deal with it and she had something to do she was yeah. like i had to yeah well she well i don't know what she had to do i just knew that she'd rather <laughs> not deal with me right yeah, i can see why sure <laughs> i know i'm draining <laughs> i'm exhausting yeah i'm sure so all right so kentucky louisville i've been there i've worked there cool. i believe there used to be an improv there i think mm-hmm. and i know i've been there a couple of times because i have uh bookends that someone gave me I used to have a friend there at louisville so comedy caravan what was it over there There was there was a comedy like a caravan the mall. guy yeah and his name i never worked for those people there that was a family uh-huh. uh sobel i think the sobel gigs not important to you Whoa. so no, you're I'd like to know <laughs> well he had I, I think it was him that they had a bunch of one-nighters in that club there all over that area in the region and i never did those gigs i never was a big southern act i don't okay. know if, if that makes sense to you no i'm not a yeah. huge hit down south. Really? I oh, know it doesn't I make do sense. okay in Nashville. Yeah. I do good. You know, I do good in the uh in the sort of the, the blue zones of the red. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. but comedy's not music. You can't just kind of charm your way in yeah. with the magic of melody. <laughs> it's a point of view situation. <laughs> yeah, wow. Could. Yeah. So so actually you would go in the south and people wouldn't laugh or something? No. I mean there was one time there was I, I had some problem in Lexington. Where is that? Lexington? That's east Kentucky. Of Con- yeah, east of Louisville. Yes. There was a, like, there was a lot of churches in Lexington, mm-hmm. in my recollection, like more than necessary. And okay. I remember doing some fairly crass material about the Jesus. Oh, wow. And they gave you, huh? Well, it's just, you know, you can feel it kind of not mm-hmm. land, and then you don't really... I never got asked back to the club, mm-hmm. is usually what happens. They'd rather have... You know, killer bees or somebody like that. Do you know that guy? No. <laughs> you didn't grow up with I any think southern of comedy. Killer bees uh, no, one. No, no, no. He's a con- he's a re- kind of a regional guy. Hmm. Okay, so there you are in the okay. in the city, the big city of Kentucky. Yeah. And your mom, what's your mom do? She's raised horses her whole life, like a since she person. was like sixteen. Yeah, it's crazy world. The we horse used, world is yeah very strange. And you grew up in it. Yeah, well, no, not in it. I actually was very contrary with my mom. She wanted me to, and I was. It didn't make sense to me why would we ride in a circle. I loved trail riding. Yeah, she, I would. I would do that with her. And, Can you still ride a horse? Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you ride horses? No, not regularly. Mm. No, it feels kind of unnecessary. I wish. It, I mean, I like horses a lot. Is it how was well, how would horse riding be necessary at all now? Well, there's <laughs> farming. People still like cut down trees and drag them through the woods with horses do they yeah oh that's good yeah it's better you don't have to like plow the forest oh i see use the horse yeah <laughs> do it Come on. but but what kind of stuff your, your mom trained them she she yeah she would train them uh, breed them kind of make these super horses oh really so not race horses yeah. what, what for what it's, yeah, for what? Well, it's essentially like having the Corvette. <laughs> An experiment? Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So for rich people to totally. buy a super horse just to have almost as a something, a, a hobby. Hobby horse. Yeah, totally. That was what it was. 
And that didn't appeal, you know, like I wanted everything to have a use. Right, that didn't appeal to you. It needed, it wasn't practical just to have a super horse that didn't do anything. (laughs) Well, it did a lot, yeah. But but genetically, did they breed them to be super horses or she just trained them? It's just the same way you would... I mean, the people breed dogs or something, and they look at, for the best traits and oh, right. yeah, oh, okay. not genetic mutate whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, <laughs> right, right. Pure, it's purebred stuff. You just, you yeah. do, they have a like a genealogy, a family situation. The horses, yeah, do. yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah, descended I, from. Mm-hmm. I grew up in. A, we had a show dog. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you go to the show? Yeah, my old man, my dad uh, showed the dog for a while. He was wow. a he was a champion, a uh, thoroughbred old English sheep dog. Cool. Well, yeah, dog shows are weird, man. They're I mean, I was pretty entertaining. young. They're yeah, the people are. It's a little much. I go just to watch sometimes. You go to dog shows, sh- like yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's it's like a whole different planet. Yeah, it's something like you're like I've the dog shows in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really cheap entertainment, isn't it? <laughs> I guess so. And people that walk that they do. Oh yeah, like it's just it's so it, it's like some it's it's they're like stage moms to dogs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. this weird kind of like uh, control freaky. Yeah. You know, come on, come on, yeah. but you know, don't listen like a kid. I always feel like the dog looks a little kind of like what I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, a little nervous about it. Well, yeah. Some yeah. of them are beautiful though. Yeah. Do you go to horse shows? No. That's because you don't you're, you're fighting your mom. You refuse. Well, no, I go and like see what she's up to when she goes and stuff. But I, I yeah. But if if she's Some doing things. the horse thing, that's sort of a country thing. She must be out in the country. Somewhere. Oh, she was. I mean, she went to like old cattle. What was the ranch out in New Mexico? She went to school out in New Mexico I and grew up just there. like go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh right. Where'd she go to school in New Mexico? She went to University of New Mexico. Oh, right in Albuquerque. Yeah. Wow. And she, she yeah. had a connection. Probably my, she's awesome. probably the same age as me. <laughs> Your mom. I had older parents. So oh, yeah. Was... Is she around still? Yeah. All right. So you're being you know you're being nice. Is that what's happening right now? Being what do you mean? <laughs> you're not going to say anything too bad. about Well, I'm not going to say her age because <laughs> I love you, mom. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and what did your stepdad do? He um, medical equipment sales. I can't remember. I always didn't get it as a kid. He would have like medical masks and oh, like yeah. tweezers in the basement yeah. and stuff. And he would go take those to hospitals and sell and sell them. Oh, he was like a, a door-to-door tweezer salesman. That's right. For hospitals. Yeah. Like we would find the razor blades in the basement and like be playing with them when mm. we shouldn't have been. I remember just like cutting my hands all up and not wanting to tell the parents. Like oh wow, like disposable silently. surgical blades and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So he's kind of a supplier, you work for some sort of supplier. I guess. Well, so, if you're yeah. the salesperson, yeah, yeah, yeah you got to represent know. somebody. He wasn't just winging it. We're assuming. Yeah. So oh God, I hope not. <laughs> just orders Illegal. it on. Yeah, just has boxes of stuff oh. for hospitals. Yikes. So when's the guitar start happening? I was writing songs from a young age, but I never had an instrument. So I think I found the guitar. My mom had a guitar in the attic, and I was maybe sixteen. Sixteen you th- years old. It was old. just up there. Yeah, she had a like a guitar that she kept. Um, that from she used to college. play? Yeah, she used to play. Was it a good one? Was it like an exciting thing to find? I think it was hard to play. Like mm. the action was really high. Steel string? Steel string. Yeah. It wasn't super friendly on like a young finger yeah. situation, but. But you figured it out? Yeah, there was a chord chart up there and I just kind of learned chords and. You did on your own? Yeah. Well, they had the circles, you know, you put your fingers no, yeah, where the no, circles yeah. were. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I taught myself. Do you know a lot of chords? 
Now I do. <laughs> but I didn't, you know, only, you only need like three you do. for a long only time. You need three mm-hmm. I, for a lifetime sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> some, some people are making money at it yeah, too. Some people go three chords for the whole run. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe add a fourth one in there, a minor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Got to get that minor. That's important. <laughs> so you start playing on your own and you never take a lesson? I did take a few lessons yeah. from different, like I maybe I dabbled in lessons a couple times and didn't take guitar lessons, but I took banjo a couple from a friend of mine. Just a friend of you, or your showed you how to play banjo? Yeah. What's the, fic- you got a finger picking, right? Did There's you start that, doing yeah. finger picking like on guitar? Uh, no, I did strummy stuff. How'd you train yourself to finger pick? Can you finger pick? I'm trying. Yeah, I mean, you just practice, right? But do you do two finger or all of them? On guitar? Yeah. Um, I probably use four. And, right. Uh, yeah, like thumb and three. Yeah. I yeah. do a lot of rolls because of learning banjo. Like I can. Oh, right, right, right. Or different plucking patterns where you use two and then one hits the. Yeah, the, I just had a minor breakthrough with the finger picking. I don't practice it as much as I should. I know that if I just practice it, yeah. I can get it. But I, I needed. <laughs> to, you refused to practice. No, I just it's I practice, but I just play. I don't, yeah. you know, like I recently, but I I tried to figure out Sam's boogie, you know, the Magic Sam thing. Uh-uh. Uh, Is that are, a big popular? It's not know. a big popular anything. It's an old piece of tape, an old footage oh. of Magic Sam playing someone else's guitar and doing this crazy riff. And yeah, you know, I talked to Sweeney about it. You yeah. know, Sweeney. Yeah. You know, and he tried to figure it out, and he eventually figured it out. And I'm like, can I figure And I I figured out the first part of it, which is pretty exciting. And it's two-finger picking, though. I love two-finger picking. I think that's really all I... I mean, when I think, like, Arl Burnside, there's this amazing video yeah, of yeah. him playing and just using two. so little. Yeah, yeah. that's what Sweeney's into now, too. People, no one's playing with picks anymore. Everyone's going <laughs> with their thumb, oh, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's like, it's it's like, I don't know, it's some purest shit. But then I start w- looking at people. There's a lot of dudes that don't, they, they don't play with picks. They just use their thumbs. Maybe you're they just becoming aware and it's always been there. I guess. Is there a different sound? It's kind of a different sound. Yeah. I, I mean, picks to me sound, well, I play a different kind of music. So it's quieter, right? Right. Um, but I've always liked the the connection. Like rhythmically, I didn't like having the pick in the way. Yeah. Something to me, unless you're doing like Travis picking and all that, where you're, you're trying to, or you're trying to get as many <laughs> notes you know, in. notes in as possible. Yeah, you can't. It's hard to get a lot of notes in with just your thumb, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, unless you're doing all the all the fingers. Yeah, right. Yeah, but just like, but with right. So okay, so you start writing songs now. Like I've, I'm like this is the weird thing about you and and the music. Oh, tell me. <laughs> is that like I don't like I I connect to music and melody more than I connect to words generally. Yeah. Like I listen to things that way. You know, mm-hmm. I don't listen to songs to hear what's being said most of the time. I just get moved by someone's voice or a melody or or you know just the tone of the music. Mm-hmm. And then like, but like I had to go in and read the words, listen to the words, look at your words. You know, you had to because you were doing. No, 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 Homework. because like I wanted to, like I, I've been a little better at doing it, like mm-hmm. listening, because I don't understand how songwriting works. You know, I, obviously there's some songs like Beatles songs or whatever that are in my head and I know a lot of songs, mm-hmm. but I only maybe know half a verse of it too. But, yeah, yeah. but the whole idea of songwriting to me, is, it's not, is, how is it different than poetry really? 
Well, like you're saying, I think people can get away with nonsense if the feeling is there. Right. Yeah. And people have been saying nonsense in pop music and rock music forever. I know. Like. Yeah. And but a lot not of, always. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, hey, hey, hey's and yeah, yeah, yeah's. Yeah. And, you know, and if you really listen to some of that stuff, it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I've ruined music for me in a lot of ways for trying to get better at writing lyrics. And then then by listening to lyrics, yeah. I can't listen to a lot of songs I used to love. Oh, really? Or like, you know, some Rolling Stone songs were just like, oh, God. Really? Yeah. Terrible? Well, just, yeah, because it's almost conflicting, too. It'd be like when you get a, a refrain or you say like the yeah, 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 yeah. would follow something that you wouldn't say yeah to. Right, right. right. And that kind of stuff that... There was, you know, the, was the logic was off, right? Yeah, I mean, I listen to some songs. I'm like, that's stupid, but yeah. then you got to realize, like, well, who's singing it, hmm. and does it fit them? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I know more ACDC lyrics than I'd really like to be admit, <laughs> but it seems perfectly fitting for that band. Yeah, you know, whatever the hell they're singing about, it's pretty basic, yeah. kind of lewd, yeah. but it's okay. But then I read your lyrics, and they're complicated because they're not. It's not. A lot of them don't, there's no narrative. There's no, it's not exactly a story being told, but yeah. they're a little more cryptic in that, like I can relate to half of what's in there and it moves me in a way that I don't understand. And that's the magic of it, right? Right. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In but the like best the, case. In the new record, there's like, there's a lot of, there's some, like, there's a weight to it. It's, I don't think it's sad, but it's a, all of them, all the, a lot of the songs are reflections on, on love, possible, you know, maybe impossible, maybe passing, maybe age, maybe sort mm-hmm. of like this should have happened, but it didn't. A lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's so much <laughs> to deal. I mean, I think of, there's something that, what is his name? Federico Garcia Lorca. Uh-huh. He would always, he was on this, listening to music that was this other section of the brain. I think there's just music for dancing. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. there's music for coping with everything difficult in your life. And right. that music, he, you know, he found it in lullabies uh-huh. and all this stuff and like the dark stories that we used to sit, we used to tell. And a lot of traditional music has that murder ballad situation or that... Long black you know, veil. Yeah, just loss and oh, sadness. That, that song kills me. But, mm, I mean... Right. <laughs> I, I want song? songs to kill us in these <laughs> ways. So Long Black Veil. I think I did play it at like an yeah, open mic situation. Oh, in really? College. In an yeah. open mic situation? Yeah. yeah. I like the band's version mm-hmm. a lot because I like the way Rick Danko sang. It's amazing voice, yeah. Right? Yeah. And talk about Makes me compelling cry just saying his name. The warble in his voice is so heart grabbing. The vulnerability and, of him yeah. is like sort of insane. Mm-hmm. But it's different than Richard Manuel. Mm-hmm. Who like is just too much for me, too sad. I can hear the yeah. too sadness, and Robbie, I, I don't deal with. Levon, there there seems to be an, a kind of like a managing vulnerability. Yeah, <laughs> and but Danko's just sort of almost childlike. I think I just explained all of the band's vocal capacities. Yeah, <laughs> with, by and dismissing Robbie entirely, mm-hmm. as you of, should. <laughs> sorry and I've talked to that guy oh. I know that guy he's another one though like man I can't I try to figure out how he plays and whether you know what makes it like boring to me in a way oh. and uh, because he's obviously a great player but yeah. you don't know any of his licks really it's kind of weird but I know the songs great. yeah I mean he mm. can definitely play 
But like, I'm like, I don't look at him like, I don't like, I want to play like him. Yeah. Who do you want to play like? Nathan Salzberg, who yeah. I play with all the time. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's up with that guy? Now, you guys are couple? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you guys- I don't like talking about it too much because it's like, oh, I'll have to answer for that. Or when people are watching us play any lyric that has to do with love, they'll be like, oh, she says that about him. Right. It yeah. Limits. Well, oh, I'm, I'm telling you, if if a lot of them are about him, he's not. He's in trouble. Right. It's not all. It's not all about Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I, it took me a long time to realize that too about songwriters. It's like it's not all autobiographical. Like right. I, I think I learned it when I talked to Nick Lowe. Hmm. I'm like, it's not you. You're yeah. not writing about you. He's like, no, these are you, these are characters, or they're coming from a different place. It's not all me. Well, that and also, it is all him. Right. right. It's I like know, when but... saying you're having a dream and somebody sure. appears. Yeah. That somebody is still in you. So you're right. that. Yeah. I, I don't allow people to say that it's not them. You don't allow it. I don't permit that knowledge to penetrate my brain. Yeah. I still think as much as we try to say we're telling the story of somebody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, for me, it was like with that, with him, it was the, the beast in me, hmm. which he wrote for Johnny Cash. So I think right. in that situation, you can sort of sure. write for that character. Yeah, you put know? on a voice, and I, I do right. that too. You do, yeah. like in who, who, uh, in what situation would you do that? Well, there's a song, Jenny, come in. I remember thinking, like, I want to sing in the voice of a male. Yeah, like from a perspective of like the, but the male that I reference is one that I'm making. So yeah, and and it kind of had a country. Yeah, I didn't write for someone like. This one's for Taylor right, Swift right. or but something. You, but you were thinking in terms of like a dude. Different. Yeah. yeah different perspective. Try, you know. So. But Nathan Salzberg, I knew nothing about him really until yesterday. Yeah. I so. think. Because like I get, Sweeney was like, no, you got to check. And he texted mm-hmm. me all this stuff. Yeah. And I and I didn't even have time to go through it. I, I know he works for the, or he worked for the Allen. He still does, yeah. It's the Alan Lomax archive. He's the curator for the Alan Lomax archive. So he's like he's in charge of the roots of all American music and <laughs> some global music. Uh, for getting some of it out there, yeah. So that means like, and that's and he's also a guitar player, like an extraordinary finger picking maniac. Yeah, I don't. He doesn't strike me as a maniac, but he's a, he can so, play. Yeah, and he has all these resources. Yeah. So, from a, yeah. historical resources. Mm-hmm. And when did you meet that guy? I met him when I came back to Louisville in 2009. Yeah. I saw him playing with some friends. Yeah. In Louisville. He uh-huh. lives there. Yeah. That's where the archive is? Well, since it's digitized, he got to he was in New York for 7 years and then once it was all digitized, he could live anywhere and still do this. Not, well, not to so, talk about him too much, but like, what is the responsibility of managing a stagnant archive? Right. Well, there's still um, <laughs> so much that isn't on, isn't out there. So you're really? always, yeah. He deals with putting things up on YouTube and citing everything. And oh, okay. And, so he's like uh, taking all of Alan Lomax's field reco- field recordings, yeah, and putting them into digitizing them and then getting them out into the world. Yeah. Some of it's in the Library of Congress. Most of the older stuff is in there, but there's still stuff. I think it's from the 70s, but he would, yeah, I don't know. 70s on, that was in Alan Lomax's collection that they still have to manage and and did, you know, like, update the, you know, where I have some, I do some of it with him, and it's, like, on DVC cams, like, old formats that you'd have to put on a newer format and stuff like oh, that. Oh, like, like, 
what's a DVC cam? I don't even know. I mean, oh. a little tape. Oh, okay. A little videotape. So it's an ongoing. So he has to sort of uh, he has to experience and uh, discover all this weird old music. Yeah. Like weekly. And try to find its context and maybe any living relatives and stuff like to that. To the performers. To, mm-hmm. So there's whole stories that unfold. Yeah, hopefully, you know the best case scenario is you get to bring that music back to us a, a cult uh, a community that didn't know they that that's what they produced and they can find you know get royalties back to the people right, who's right. descended from the yeah. yeah is there a lot of big royalties with some of that stuff i mean beyonce sampled some stuff from the oh, archive that's yeah right. there's big money in sampling from it oh she moby did all that stuff you remember yeah um was, did they yeah. just take it thinking they could just get away with it no i think those they know that it costs money to Sample uh-huh. things these days. Does he start introducing you to this stuff that changes your approach to sure. music? Sure. Yeah. As soon as I met him and knew what he was up to, I yeah. was like, I need as many of the like female voices that you have because there was a big Kentucky uh, trip, the yeah. Southern Journey. That's actually the 60th anniversary of the Southern Journey for Alan Lomax, and he went through Kentucky and yeah, um, down to the Delta and. I wanted those, I wanted to hear some women because so much of the history of recorded music excludes women's voices. Uh-huh. And I was just ready to like get the download. I just right. wanted all of it. I wanted to consume it. And he was kind of, he was like, here's a few things, but uh, you know, he wanted, you can, all of us can research this on our own. It's, yeah. it's out there. So. Right. So, so he just didn't, he didn't want to overwhelm you. He just kind of give you a taste. Here's a few. I think he wants people to do their own work too. Instead you of but you're somebody. dating the guy and he's got Well, the- now I can, yeah. <laughs> that was when I first met him and everything. He gave me some great um, Aunt Molly Jackson That's how he reeled stuff. you in. Right. <laughs> well, we were friends for a long time and then <laughs> Here's eventually. some old women singing songs. <laughs> That's how you get me, world. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I'm going to blow some- your mind with some, some old tracks. <laughs> It worked. And it, huh? Seriously, look up Aunt Molly Jackson. She's got one of the creakiest, oldest sounding voices ever. You would be amazed. And that, and that, that affected that you how? Well, I was just excited to hear. She was an activist too, so I was excited to hear this like woman from the coal fields just being like, you know, this isn't right, and having kind of a a sense of traditional music, and then also she wrote songs herself and stuff. So like that. Uh, protest music, early protest music in a way, yeah. kind of. Yeah, she went up to New York, and uh-huh. I think that crew and we're excited to have an authentic mountain person come in and oh, encouraged remember, her do you know that movie, that movie lewin davis yeah yeah that end of that movie is so genius with the yeah. well the dulcimer player remember the real the the woman who came from the real hills oh yeah and, and was the, that gene ritchie in the movie or no i don't remember who played that part okay. but the the dude her dude after lewin who was drunk mm. mocked her beat the shit out of him mm-hmm. in the alley you know Man, I need to watch it again. It's it's, so it's well not. The, it was beautiful, you know. But it was that moment where the hipster, mm-hmm. the appropriator, you know, the the sort of the scene of that time in the '60s of these folkies, yeah. you know, for him to be condescending to, you know, a, a true kind of like Appalachian, you know, dulcimer yeah. playing woman, you know, and then the the cowboy, the the man that she was with just popped him in the alley. Like it was like. It was that such was a good. schooling. Yeah, well, that was that was what Alan Lomax was trying to do 60 years ago. The journey was at, in a reaction to the 60s folk revival in New York because he was seeing all these like young 
college kids right. being like, we are so proud of themselves for reviving dead music. Right. And he was like, this music is still alive in the places it came from. And he wanted to record it and kind of prove to the young folks who were kind of co-opting it so aggressively. Right. That there was still living tradition and they right. didn't need to play it for them, you know, like for it to still be alive. They just oh. needed to support maybe the places that it came from. Oh, interesting. So that was the agenda. Yeah. He was yeah, because, out to prove it. Yeah, because yeah, like there's a, I saw a documentary about Fahey and, and, and a couple of the guys that, Fahey was always after Skip James, I think, right? That was his mm. big grail. And then there was these other dudes that were after a, a, a Death Letter. What's his, why am I forgetting his name? Not it's not Fred McDowell. Sunhouse. Yeah, Sunhouse. So yeah, so it was like that was a journey for these two crews of like musicians and blues nerds was to find these acts, and I think that still plays with Lomax's intention is that once they found found Fred McDowell, yeah, he found Fred McDowell, but uh, I think that Fahey and and his cohort found Skip in a hospital. Yikes! Uh, But he was all right. You know, they pulled him out and he lived a few years and they had him up in Newport That's and, you right. know, and he churned out a couple of records. And the guys who, who found uh, Sun House, they thought he was down south. He turned up in upstate New York, wow. you know, like just hanging out and they pulled him out and tried to get. That was there was one Newport festival where a lot of those cats, it was the first resurrection of a lot of those dudes. And uh, so, is so good. some of them could handle it. Some of them couldn't, you know, ultimately. Mm. But Skip was like. That guy's magic. Where's the where's that voice come from? Yeah. I talked to Taj Mahal once, you know, in the old house, and he picked up this crappy old guitar I had because I was asking him where Skip comes from. Where's that guitar come from? Yeah. He goes, it comes from Africa, and he picked up this this K guitar I got. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's only, only, you know, I never even changed the strings on it. And he just lays out two, like, Senegalese, kind of like Skip Jamesy things wow. for three seconds. Taj picks it up and I'm, I'm like, we'll do it. And that was it. He didn't play. He didn't bring a guitar. He wasn't going to play. But yeah. for that three seconds, like it was so immediate and so connected and so quick. Like yeah. three notes. I'm like, what, what is that? How'd you do that? Yeah. So you go back to Kentucky. Do you, yeah. what's your lineage? Do you, do you, if you, do you feel like you come from that? Do you I ever look say... into that? look into it like like your past like you know how do you like genealogically yeah sure i mean yeah, like yeah. you're attached to where you grew up but i sure. mean has your family been there forever yeah there's some i just visited my great 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 grandfather and grandmother's graves in hanson kentucky yeah. but that's like western yeah so a lot of the tobacco region in and, my family yeah and what what was there where'd they come from ireland britain all over wales like deeply mudded yeah, um, but, but like, there is some. But they've been there since like the sixteen, seventeen hundreds. That kind of shit, like way back. You don't I know. I think I've got some Irish that's like three, four generations back. Yeah. So there's that's the only one that I can say like I know. Right. So what do you like when you listen to um, this music? Like, what are the threads of it of, yeah. of the kind of stuff you're resonating with? Is it Celtic? Like what? It, what? Are, like you know what? Oh yeah, I love that stuff. Right, because that's that a lot mode. of the f- is similar right. to a lot of like North African stuff too. You hear that like modal, yeah, kind of deeply soulful, yeah, um, yeah. It's range. weird how it's all connected, huh? It is. So, who are some of the other sources? Like when you get these old, these older acts, these older performers, these older artists, these women that you were oh, kind yeah. of researching. What are some other names that moved um, you? Well, there's a lot of actually English guitar players, yeah, that I deeply connect with. But um, Dick Gawkins, Scottish. 
uh, Nick Jones English guitar player. Yeah. And I said June Tabor. She was a big one. But for, um, and Anne Briggs, another English person. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of them, actually less than voices, yeah. were songs, like melodies yeah. that I yeah, would be yeah, really yeah. struck by. Yeah. And a lot of those come in, in the modal form. And so like there's old songs, like string band songs that were child ballads, you know, the child ballads, mm. the English, like ancient songs that came over with immigrants to yeah. the United States. And a lot of them were left in the mountains because that's where... Radio didn't kind of homogenize. Yeah. So that's why we think of them as mountain songs. But they were all over. And Kentucky was a very wild west for the colonies. Uh A lot of English, Irish um, music came in and blended with like the African-American music Uh and the Native American music. And you hear it in so much of the banjo songs that I love, like Darling Corey, um, Sugar Babe is this one about kind of like, I guess, a stripper. It's Uh a very strange lyrics. and then like a lot of the Lord Daniel stuff, stories about like a pregnant woman coming to a castle and being like, please let me in. This is your child and or whatever. And yeah, then Lord yeah. being like, no, thanks. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. And it's sung in these great like Southern accents. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. How did you? Yeah. Where do you get this stuff? Where is right. it online? Oh, yeah. It's all online. A lot of people are doing versions of it, but there's some great stuff in the archive, the yeah. IMMX archive. Um, and that's free? Yeah. Yeah. There isn't a new podcast, a new podcast. Oh, great. Um, That's what the world needs. <laughs> I know. There's a great cartoon. It's uh, two people sitting down and it's one person saying to the other, like, I'm thinking about stopping a podcast. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Put an end to it. <laughs> but, what's, what's the new podcast? But it's Nathan digging in the archive and kind of oh, yeah? it out. Mm-hmm. Is there any Lomaxes alive? Yeah. Anna Lomax's daughter still alive and running the organization. Mm-hmm. Huh. And son, I think. So it was always acoustic music with you? There was not a time where you were in a rock band? I definitely had played in a band first. Acoustic came later. But like, what was the thing? Because when I listen to the music and I look at the pictures on your records and the poem that came with the last one, Mm. it seems like an entire way of life. Mm. The acoustic (laughs) way of life? Yes. (laughs) It is. I learned that. I mean... Was it what didn't weren't did you rock out? I mean, I, you when you were me. younger, okay. I know. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I don't. I did play with a five-piece band and the record Electric Ursa, which was my second. The first and second ones that. are more yeah. a, a rock situation, and they come from that Louisville. I played with a lot of Louisville musicians like Rachel Grimes and Joe yeah. Manning and uh, Kevin Ratterman, people that came from like the punk rock scene. And that's a lot of what music in Louisville now is like people that came to folk and country music through punk. Because you all grown up. Yeah, well, yeah, that. Plus also <laughs> when you look for the same impulse, but it's kind of matured, like uh-huh. you can't kind of go back and listen to punk bands. Right. What they were saying was a little bit youthful and sure, maybe too what? simple. But so when it gets more complex, you see a lot of people looking to old time music for that kind of the wildness I was talking about. Yeah. A little bit of a counterculture that's like, no, we don't want to sound smooth. We don't want to sound uh, auto-tuned and, I mean. Yeah. Just. Who's doing that stuff? Like, I mean, well, that's interesting to me that a lot of these, because it's happened, I've seen it in other, like in some of the older punk rock guys, is that if you stay in the game and Mm -hmm. you still have the spirit for it, even if you're not making any bread, 
You know, you've got to grow somehow. You've got to age into it. You can't be playing that shit, you know, in your fifties, even in your forties, if you didn't make a hit to begin with, right? So you sort of got to evolve with the music, and uh, that's that makes total sense. What's your relationship with uh, Michael Hurley's music? No, just pure love. Um, I can't get over that very first record. Was that the the one you did for Folkways? Yeah, yeah. I cannot get over that record. Like uh, Blue Mountain, that song Blue Mountain. I mean, what the fuck? Where did that come from? (laughs) He's like a alien child person. He's still around too. Yeah, we're gonna go see him in in Oregon. Do you know him? Yeah, we played shows together, and you and Nathan hung out at my house. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, he he's like still. I gave him. He came to Louisville one time, and yeah. Came over to my house and I just sat down like a bunch of colored pencils and some uh-huh. paper and a case of beer in front of him and he just slammed the case of beer and made the most amazing drawings. It's it's weird if it, if it, it could be a child if it was a box of cereal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. Yeah, maybe that would have been better. Yeah. Wait, wait, so he made an amazing drawing. Was he passed out on top of it? No, he's uh. got this energy. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's like seventy. Five or something. How's know. his shows? Good. Yeah, he can be kind of wild. You don't know what you're gonna get. So, um, tell me, saying. like, now answer some songwriting questions, and then maybe we'll play okay. a song. Mm-hmm. The new record, I have the self-titled one. I have Rivers and Vessels, and then I have the new one, like the mm-hmm. River Loves the Sea. But this last one, or the or the one before this one, you did with Tweety. Yeah. In Chicago. Yeah. I've interviewed that guy. Yeah. That guy. So how do you how do you know him? How do like how do you guys all meet each other? And and Will Oldham too, who yeah. I I don't think we like each other. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't not like you. I don't know. I've met him once. It was difficult. I don't like it. Just it was awkward. I was with Sweeney. Uh-huh. He seemed to be like, yeah, okay, this, all right, fine. You know, just dismissive and fuck it. So like, what am I going to do? It's not, I know he's a, a wonderful artist and he's contributed a lot to the world, but. I've met him, and he he was he seemed to just ice me. I think Will's more a mirror, so you just saw what you wanted to see in the mirror of Will. <laughs> Do you really think that? I think his the way he holds himself makes people really doubt themselves, and he's not exactly like forthcoming and mm. makes so you at ease, right? So, so he's socially awkward, and it's somehow my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know. Actually. That's very good. <laughs> Okay, I believe you. No, I mean, look, I like the guy. Matt likes him. Everybody likes him. No. But like, people have been like, "Why don't you talk to him?" And I'm like, "I couldn't even. We couldn't even manage a greeting." Oh man, it depends on. And where were you? Do on the remember? street, yeah, New York. That's probably not the best. No, I'm, I'm a, I, I respect the guy. I yeah. like his stuff. But how do you? How did the Jeff Tweedy thing come? Okay, so Jeff and I met the first time on a radio show or a mountain stage in West Virginia on Valentine's Day. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. But he had heard the record before over and even. Yeah. And I think it's through just being in music all this time and you know common people or people in common. And James Elkington was playing in the Tweety Band yeah. at the time. And he's a good friend of ours who produced this last record. And In in Iceland. In Iceland, yeah. yeah. And he's played with Nathan Salzberg. They have a guitar duos uh, thing or yeah. duo guitar records. Right. And so I think that's how, through Jim Elkington and... And being, you know, playing music together and stuff. So we talked, Jeff and Nathan and I were talking, and I guess I didn't expect for him to have such serious, like, punk rock roots. 
Who? It was cool. Jeff? Jeff, yeah. yeah. It was cool to know that because I guess I was afraid of working with people who didn't have that sense of like, perfect isn't good. Let's not go for perfect. Right. You know, yeah. and or or pure and all those words that sure. just like make me cringe. Um, and people that have that background in, in punk rock and just kind of like are open they to know the how to, yeah, impre- make, yeah, let it be raw. Mm-hmm. Let it, uh, you know, kind of be uh, flawed and raw. Yeah, human. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, human, for sure. And then you just kind of hammered it out? Yeah, he had some time in the loft and... I, like, I hear that oh. loft's amazing. I've never been there. God, you gotta go. I've talked to go. I've talked to him, and as a producer, he was good to work with. Yeah, he was. I was at first. I was like, "Is this gonna happen?" Because um, we were supposed to show up on a Monday, and he's like, "Oh, actually, I can't be there on Monday." I was like, "Oh, here it goes. It's gonna yeah. it's fall through." Mm. And it turns out when he came back, it was because he was taking um, Mavis Staples to the like president's dinner oh, yeah. what are the yeah, like yeah, yeah. awards oh yeah it's like oh i guess that's a pretty medal of honor presentation kind of deal yeah is it something with a rainbow did she get a medal yeah oh, she yeah, got yeah. recognized by obama so but then after that it was great he was just i didn't expect him to play on the record but he played bass all over the record and was so uh kind of the counterintuitive i think he played like reverse sounding bass line uh-huh. and stuff like that that was just so cool and yeah. all these the whole place is lined with ancient guitars and basses and amps and is a dream for a guitar player oh, to be there. Oh, I got to go check it out. Yeah. I, I primarily deal with new instruments. <laughs> no, you don't. I'm looking around. That yeah, amp that. is old. <laughs> yeah. that, I guess that Strat, I bought that new in 86, so that's pretty old now. New then, okay, yeah. It's it, 96, nice. 2006, so it's like 35 years old, Yeah. that thing. I just got it out again. This J45 is relatively yep. new. That one. Jay, cool. It's Do you okay. like new stuff better for some reason? I just like, I don't, like, I don't know. I have not gone shopping for really old shit. Though I have one old weird uh, big Gibson in the closet <laughs> that I really like. It's it's called an FJN. They only made them for a little while. It's got this short, fat, classical size neck on a steel string. Oh, have cool. you seen those things? It's got yeah. the double... It's got two white pick guards, like flamenco pick guards. Jackson Brown plays them. You see them oh, around yeah. not too often, but they're a very full sounding guitar. I have that that old thing. Um, I just haven't gone shopping for them, and they're they're, yeah. they're exorbitant price wise. And I've got like I've got some reissues, and, and I'm not a professional guitar player, and I don't want to be one of those idiots who amasses you know precious cargo from people that really could probably you know. Well, you that's know, nice of you. I'm not a collector. I just like to play. Yeah. You know, what do you That's play? Good. Um, I play a Collings. It's like a 90 something. Yeah. Um, it's an orchestra model, so smaller kind of guitar, more for finger picking. And I got that from my cousin when she passed away. Um, so I've just had this like way too fancy for me guitar this whole time. <laughs> oh, really? Um, because before that, like I was just playing, I think I had a pretty basic Washburn, or not a Washburn, like a modern. Yeah. yeah. It's a new. And this one's sort of uh, a little better. This one's very much, yeah. This could not. What happened to your guitar. cousin? She had cancer. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So why Iceland? Why did what? What was that about? You know, like this new record's great. It's beautiful. You know, they all sound production-wise kind of different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, I mean Iceland. I've never been there. I have a ro- romantic idea of it. It seems mm-hmm. like spatially it would be good poetic place to be. Yeah. Why'd you go there? 
Well, kind of for that reason, they all sound different. Like, I like to not revisit the same experience uh-huh. again so that there's some kind of new connection to have, not a, a habit, like not so you're relaxed that you're not paying attention yeah. or trying out new things. So I just find it's rewarding to go take people out of their home life yeah. habits, yeah. be in a concentrated period of time and, and work there. Like, for example, so Iceland, I thought this would be great. This is the same studio that Will Oldham did, The Letting Go, yeah. one of my favorite albums of his. Yeah. Bjork helped set it up, I think, Greenhouse and all this stuff. It just, it was crazy to get the opportunity to do it. Bjork was there? She's one of the you saw people her? who started. Oh, yeah. We had a Bjork spotting, but we didn't hang out. Oh. Yeah. But the studio is, is of her and another fellow's brainchild, yeah. And is it like like nice? Like, Super nice. Is it on, can you see? You can see it online. Greenhouse. Pretty stuff, though? Mm-hmm. Is it sitting in the middle of something beautiful? Is it on a fjord or something? It's outside Reykjavik. Mm. Um, and kind of you can see the mountains in the distance. and mm. But nearby... We were told just as we were leaving the studio that there was a, like the last witch in Iceland was drowned in this like witch drowning pool right beside it. Oh. It's like, this is darker than I thought. Um, yeah. How, how do you feel? How do you feel it affected the album? <laughs> the witch drowning the witch. pool? Well, not the no, witch, but yeah, just yeah. being in Iceland. Being in Iceland, it's just, so Kentucky's really um a humid place. Yeah. I think of atmosphere as really influencing yeah. people's mindset and music. Mm-hmm. It actually influences the reverberation of sound. Yeah. So you're kind of in this clear feeling environment um, with a different kind of light. And it just, I don't know. Yeah. It, uh, Did you write any of the songs up there? No. You brought so all them the all songs were written in Kentucky. And when you write a song, do you think in terms of melody first or do you just write same. the stuff? Yeah, the same, same moment. So I would oh, always really? use the melody to find the words. I guess really? that's how I put it, yeah. Like you were saying, because if I went to sit down and just write linearly, I don't think my brain works that way. I just don't, to, like you don't just, come up with a phrase. Right, just there's nothing, huh. like with music, you can start the line and yeah. some part of your brain knows the rhyme is coming and it works ahead of you and right. it works behind. But music is the way that it opens that kind of interconnectivity, uh, that cyclical right, right, kind of right. thinking for me. Right, oh wow. Because I, I, I'm going to write a song soon. Can't wait. I think I've written some already. You think? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't think I'm good at melody, man. I mean, it's like I'm a, a one, four, five dude. You know what I mean? It's like it's straight up for me, three chords. If it's not yeah. one, four, five, it's one, uh, you know, like if, if it doesn't, if it doesn't go, you know, uh, sometimes I like go. That's a lot of chords. Right, so it's like one, one, it would be an A, right? So one, G. I love that thing. Like, mm. That's like nice. That. <laughs> yeah. But then, well, what makes that hard yeah. to sing a melody to? Well, what, um, I just feel like it's always going to be the same melody, and it's always going to go uh, along with the bass chords because I don't have the range to understand really how melody works. I don't, you know, I'm not mm. that confident a singer, so it's always going to be some form of la 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 la. Because you're following the chords. Yeah, yeah. So, like, how do you get yeah. out from under that? I don't know. I come up with all kinds of 
constraint that yeah. helps me. Like if you were to say, okay, you're not going to write a melody. You're going to just sing the same note the whole time. Oh yeah, like yeah. that's when the cha- chords are changing. That's just a melody. Stay on it. Yeah. Stay, right. Yeah. I just, just, just got to just do it. I just got to quit everything and just, just throw your whole guitar. heart in. Yeah. Yeah. It's Sounds time. Good. That's what the world needs is another guy in his mid fifties <laughs> to enter the musical ecosystem. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, amateur There's more people enter the music a, system a hobbyist crazy. another hobbyist has to enter oh, man, the, with his big ideas i don't think music no because that's it's like it's hard stuff it's not a hobby it's not I like know, painting i know model planes i can't like that i was terrified to sing in public forever because to me do? i will with my eyes closed mm. but but um and, but, and it's also I'm not great at playing and singing. It, well, I can do it with with simple with some stuff uh, at the same time. But um, to me, it was so revealing, so exposing, so vulnerable that like mm-hmm. there was no way to hide it all. Whereas mm-hmm. musicians feel differently because I do comedy. I have no problem with that. But yeah. musicians are like, how the fuck do you do that? You know, they're they're more comfortable with singing. Yeah. You know, for but for me, singing is just sort of like, oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, and I'm okay at it, but it's just too, like, you can't hide it all, I don't think. Yeah, but you can hide if you have, like, a five-piece band in there. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, we don't need an audience. There's no one here. That's all right. We got us. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. All right, you want to play a song now? Sure. Do you feel good about what's happened here? Yeah, I always feel bad about talking about music, but... You do? Yeah. Why? Well, I, it was made to stand alone, probably. I know, but, you know, you got to go out and sell it. Oh, gosh. Well, then that's why I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. You're doing all right, though, right? Yeah, I'm doing fine. People come? Yeah, people come. Well, that's nice. People that like quiet music come. Quiet music. Yeah. The quiet people. The quiet, you know, tender-hearted people. You see them out there. Yeah, they exist. They I still know they exist. exist. No, there's a lot of them. Yeah. But, but like, oh, it's so nice. It's so sweet. You got to take care of them. Yeah. We right? all got to take care of each other. That's what I hear. <laughs> All right, let's try and figure this out. Okay. See, I think that sounds pretty good. Let me get levels. What are you going to play? I'll do the fading. Okay. A spring remembered taste of gin. I let a light upon our skin. Your form it lingers. Trace just where you've been Songs we sang I'll sing again When it breaks down Babe, let's try To see the beauty In all the fading I saw the river Thick with mud Break through the banks And run I confess I liked it I cheered the flood When the water hit the banks And won When it breaks down Babe, let's try To see the beauty In all the fading Around the world, no, I hate it. 
leave my home But I love that car when I need to go When it breaks down Babe, let's try to see the beauty in all the so good Thanks. feel good to you feels yeah. good thank you for thank you for coming thanks for having me yeah i'm shocked really us <laughs> <laughs> kentuckians get asked out we don't understand why well i i can't i can't explain really the uh the sort of sway your music has over me and uh, like I and I go back to it a lot. So uh, uh, and I had to uh, meet you and talk to you. Thanks. Okay, beautiful, beautiful music up here in this uh, temporary studio in my house upstairs in my spare room. Uh, the new album is called Like the River Loves the Sea. It's available now wherever you get music. That was Joan Shelley. And I will not play music today out of respect for the professional uh, music that was played just moments ago. Okay? Boomer. Boomer lives! <laughs> <laughs> 